You have to get that exercise component and then you have to get that nutritional and the other, the, all the other components, right? And it's really changing how we feed and really rethinking what does it mean and how are we feeding to improve body composition, improve health, improve cravings, blood sugar control, all of the things. Happy New Year. Welcome back to 2023 is an exciting, oh my goodness, I'm so excited for this year. I have some incredible guests lined up for the show. I'm so excited. I can't wait. Can't wait. Um, I hope you had a wonderful holiday season and uh, so lovely to be back on the show. Um, you're probably thinking if you're like me and have indulged a little bit over the festive period um, about how you can get into really great shape in the new year. It's a very common thing for people. Uh, I think we all, regardless of where we are in terms of the spectrum of how much we need to optimize our body composition, uh, we can always uh, be more optimal. And so I thought it would be a good thing on this bite-sized biohack to share probably the, the easiest hack that you can do to change your body composition quickly, in addition to strength training. And that is to consume more protein. But people get confused about protein. How much is enough? How much is too much? And what should you be looking for if you're including, obviously we want to use whole foods as much as possible, but if you are including something like a protein powder, what do you need to look for in a shake? Uh, is pea protein enough, for example? And also the importance of leucine, because this actually is a significant trigger for muscle protein synthesis. So that's really important. Um, and you'll also learn in this clip about why you shouldn't be sitting there sipping your protein shake or your essential amino acid drink. You actually need to consume it quite quickly to trigger that muscle protein synthesis. And there is no better person on this topic than Dr. Gabrielle Lyon. So I'm going to introduce you now to this clip from my episode with Dr. Gabrielle. And if you want to go back and listen to the full episode, it is episode 131. The key in understanding, optimizing body recomposition and optimizing muscle mass as we age is understanding that blood levels of amino acids need to rise to a specific point. And if you are below, if you are sub threshold and constantly sipping on these amino acids, you get a little, and then it goes down a little, and it goes down, but you never heat, you never hit a threshold. For example, the threshold would be a minimum of 30 grams of protein. That is a minimum of, you know, four, four and a half ounces of beef, chicken, whatever it is. And the reason that is, is you need to hit what's called a leucine threshold, which is a, an essential amino acid. It is one of the brown chain amino acids. And as soon as you hit that, it triggers your muscle. It's like putting a key into a car and starting the car. And then the next thing after that is that you have to have all the amino acids. So let's say, for example, you're eating beef or bison, you have all the amino acids to then contribute to regeneration of muscle, to building more healthy, strong muscle over a period of time. Now, for people that like to eat little small meals a day and never reach a 30 to a more optimal 50 grams of protein, which is a robust amount, and it's really changing how we feed and really rethinking what does it mean and how are we feeding to improve body composition, improve health, improve 
cravings, blood sugar control, all of the things. Ideally, you then balance it to a minimum of 30 grams of protein to a maximum of 55. Beyond that, you still absorb everything, but as, a, as it relates to optimization for muscle, then it, there's no reason to go higher than that. Okay, that's interesting. So what about people that are fasting and they're doing one meal a day? Um, they would then only be really, you, you said they'd still be absorbing the protein, but it won't be triggering all of it. Okay, that's interesting. I appreciated that. But they this, is an, this is another great point. I think that we should touch on the one meal a day, people. Mm. One meal a day, you have to define your goal. Is your goal to build muscle or is your goal to maintain tissue? And when I say tissue, I mean, are you just trying to maintain your body composition? If you are trying to maintain your body composition, you absolutely can get away with one meal a day. But ultimately, that means that you have to get all your protein in that one meal. Is that an ideal eating strategy? It is probably not an ideal eating strategy. A more and all I want to have a caveat in here. Humans are incredibly adaptable. We could do and cycle through different strategies. It doesn't have to be one way of eating for a lifetime where this is how I eat and this is what works for me. It can be for this one month, I am going to do one meal a day. I'm going to measure my body composition before. I'm going to measure it after. You can, for example, if you're younger, get away with one meal a day, assuming that you're training, uh -huh. you're doing resistance training and you're just doing a lot of activity then people, you, you know, some of the research would say, well, the 24 hour period amount of protein that you get in is really what's important. You know, how much protein you get in a 24 hour period. And, and I agree with that. However, I will say if you are up against aging or hormonal changes or thyroid challenges, you have to take that into consideration. And what would be an ideal strategy? I mean, that's at least what I've seen in clinical practice. Yeah, it's somewhere between 30 and 55 grams. For sure. And the literature supports that. Hmm. There is an art, there is a, a science of medicine and a science of and, and, and a science to nutritional science. And then there is the art of doing it, which comes from you know decades of practice and experience in the arena with patients. The best of both worlds is really combining the science and then the clinical practice. Yeah, for sure. And what about in terms of when people have done resistance training, mm -hmm. some of the research I've looked at is particularly for women, having that dose of protein with some carbohydrates can moderate mm -hmm. that cortisol response if it's within 60 minutes of the workout. Is that something that you encourage people to do? So once I, yes, I encourage, it depends on what the goal is. Are you looking for muscle glycogen replenishing? Then carbohydrates are important. Are you looking for muscular repair and really building muscle, then it would be protein. If you are looking for a combination of both, then both is, is fantastic. Mm -hmm. As it relates to cortisol, I don't think increased cortisol levels while training is a negative, right? It, it's not, it's how the body is designed. I think where cortisol becomes a problem is if you are going through ebbs and flows of blood of challenges with blood sugar regulation throughout the rest of the day. Yeah. I will point out something else. These are great questions and you're allowing me to talk and serve your audience, which I really appreciate. Mm -hmm. I know that I am giving you long explanations, but these questions are so, you really nailed these questions. Oh, thank you. Post-training is very important if you are perimenopausal or older. 
postmenopausal, older, perimenopausal, any kind of chronic inflammation. And I'm going to tell you why. The literature supports that if you have, if you are older, if you are postmenopausal, if you are obese or struggling with inflammation, your tissue has the physiology of a quote, an older, more mature individual. To simply state that by having a robust amount of protein post-training, your body is primed to stimulate muscle protein synthesis. Okay. You've got nutrients to the tissue. It allows you to lower your protein dose post-training. Okay. And what that means is there's, you know, people will say, well, it doesn't really matter how close to training that you eat your protein for muscle protein synthesis or body recomposition. And I would argue that most of the data is done in younger, healthy men. And that if you are a woman and if you have um, hormonal changes, if you are obese or are, if you are older, then we know that you can overcome anabolic resistance, which is that in a, inefficiency of skeletal muscle when you resistance train and then when you eat protein. Amazing, which is interesting because that's exactly what I've been doing recently. And I'd, I'd, yeah, so I'd, I'd gone through a stage because I like to periodize training. I'd gone through a stage where I was Great. doing more cardio and some people listening, right, will be doing that and they're into running. And then I'll go through a stage and I'm like, right, I want to gain some more muscle mass. And I've been very, very disciplined with my protein. And now I can get back to doing, I'm 45. I can get back to doing a pull up with no assistance. Amazing. And that is literally through the resistance training and the protein. And that's why I'm so like, yeah. I'm so excited to have you on because I just think the more people that can really get this, the more right. they can protect their health and longevity. I um, agree with you. And we're up against a lot. It's interesting because I think in, in our space that we're in, it's either keto or paleo. Mm. And then it's, it's kind of keto, paleo, vegan, vegetarian. It's not protein forward or wait, there's one more group or it's kind of the bro. Hey dude, I'm going to eat a lot of protein, kind of the bodybuilder space. The reality is it's probably, and, and there's not really a, there's a carnivore space, but that is, you know, while I would say my diet is, is probably more on the carnivore style. There are these, these groups that are a bit extreme. And I think that if we were to really break it down and look at what the priority would be for aging, it is high quality protein. It is. And you create a flexible plan where you prioritize protein. It's a protein forward plan. That's your number one priority. The next thing that you do is you decide, do you tolerate carbohydrates or do you tolerate fat? I tolerate carbohydrates. I do much better on carbohydrates, even when calories are controlled versus doing better on fats. So the individual then decides they've prioritized protein. They know how much they're getting in a day. They know how much they're getting in a meal. And then they determine, do they do better on carbohydrates or fats? And then you do a meal dosing on both those macronutrients. And um, what about in terms of training? So when somebody is trying to do that body recomposition, um, what have you found in terms of the ideal balance? Like from, from my understanding here, we have to create enough of a trigger, right? So we've yes. got to lift heavy enough to create that stimulus to the muscle tissue. Have you found there's different ways of doing this? There's enough Hollywood celebrities that are saying, I just lift three pound dumbbells and right. I'm in this amazing shape. 
you'd have to do so many repetitions, right? Because right. that's even lighter than body weight. Right. Um, I'm just curious what you found and with your uh, in your clinic in that respect. Volume matters. Right. Focus intensity and Stu um, Stu Phillips talks a lot about this at McMaster University. It, it really is about volume, and I think that data is clear. And then it is about exertion, volume, and exertion. I recommend, you know, and then training status. Is this a novice train individual? Is this an intermediate or advanced trained? If an individual is advanced, then there is a component to muscle memory. In addition, those people put on muscle mass much slower versus a new individual who is going to put on, they could put on a couple pounds of muscle in a, in a month, right? They could put on maybe two pounds of muscle, depends. And then of course that training volume. Is, is really what matters and how they're doing it. And if they're hitting body parts twice a week, you know, having a really good structured program is important. You know, I always recommend, like I said, Kara Killian or Lane Norton has great structured programs. These are guys that are very science oriented. And, and Andy Gelpin, the reason why it's good to speak with an exercise physiologist when it comes to program programming there's always a path forward and you can do a path that takes a long time because you're inefficient or you can do a very efficient path forward. And I think when it comes to body recomposition, you have to get that exercise component and then you have to get that nutritional and the other, the, all the other components, right? Gut health matters, really your ability to absorb nutrients, um, sleep matters. Most people, many of the athletes that I train and many of the military ops guys, they all have sleep apnea even though they're fit, it, it, it has nothing to do with it. It has to do with the musculature. And a lot of the women, when women go through perimenopause and postmenopause, this is the time they get sleep apnea with hormones change. Mm, interesting. This is important stuff. And then you correct for the, the lifestyle factors and you see real improvement. And what about with, um, cause this I'm curious and I haven't been able to really get to the bottom of this when you're looking at taking collagen orally, right? So it's not a full spectrum of essential amino acids. No. It's missing mm -hmm. the tryptophan, but it's providing a very specific trigger, right? So it's triggering collagen production within the body. What happens if you then you have essential amino acids alongside collagen, do you then miss out on that, on that trigger? No, you don't, you have to, no, you don't, but it is missing tryptophan. So you would need tryptophan and it's very low in the branch chain amino acids. It's high in proline, hydroxyproline. You would need to do a combination and just really make sure that it was balanced. I think actually collagen is great. I think collagen is great. I don't think collagen is great for muscle. It doesn't do anything for muscle. I haven't seen a ton of great evidence on collagen, but I haven't clinically, I have seen it do really good things at much higher doses. And um, I do think it's a great product. And I do think that we are seeing some data for hair, skin, and nails, which makes sense. Um, the question becomes absorption. Mm. And it has to be at that high dose, doesn't it? A lot of the supplements you see when people are taking it are actually so low in terms yeah. of the amount of collagen. Yeah. Yeah. What about with taking essential amino acids? So you were saying like with, when you're looking like at um, a protein source, mm -hmm. somewhere between 30 and 55 grams, yep. say you're going to actually just take some essential amino acids sure. in powder or tablet form. How much do you need of those? Because those are going right in. It's about 50%. So if it's, it's a, so if it, it's about 50%, so if it's 30 grams of protein, it's 15 grams of essential amino acids. Okay. It's a lot. It's a lot to be taking. And then you're missing the food matrix. 
Mm. You're missing the iron, the zinc, the selenium, the B vitamins, the creatine, the taurine. I mean, maybe you're getting some taurine, but you're missing all the other components. We have to begin to think about the macronutrients and the food sources as food matrices. Mm. Right now, we have this isolated thought of protein, carbohydrates, and fats, as opposed to what is in it that makes up the whole component, right? When an individual goes to an essential amino acid, which can be very helpful if their diet is low in protein, the question then becomes, and what one would have to think about is what about the other components? Like I said, those minerals, those vitamins and minerals that you're now not getting.